It's Film Week on L.A. Estate 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Last week, you heard what our critics had to say about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. The film's in wide release. Joining me this week to talk about the incredible stunts in the film is our Film Week critic Amy Nicholson, who also writes on film for The New York Times. Amy, thanks so much for joining us. Just first of all, just elaborate on the stunts in this film and what it's like as a viewer. The stunts are astonishing, and I'm very excited to talk to Wade about that because when the stunts show up, you just think, wow, I've seen car chases a million times, but I have not seen this car chase done like this. I've not seen this train scene done like this. When I watched this movie, I felt like this is a person who studied the stunts that have come before and really thought about how can I make ours different, bigger, special in some way so that you know that this is a, is a Mission Impossible film. Well, Wade Eastwood is second unit director and stunt coordinator for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. His career includes stunt coordination for Men in Black International, Mission Impossible Fallout, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, The Mummy, Jumanji, and many, many more. He's won Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Stunt Ensemble for Inception uh, just more than a decade ago. And we're also going to talk about the potential for there being a an Oscar category for stunt coordination. Wade Eastwood, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, first let's let's uh, let me ask you just about the challenge of doing a stunt heavy film like this with a huge star uh, and and the risk that goes into that. Tom Cruise's death-defying stunts are, are, are sort of legendary. And is there extra pressure when you're working with such a big star doing such, um, such dramatic stunts as are in this film? You know, I, I approach it the same way I'd approach uh, any sort of human being, really. It's a, it's a life on the end of that line or on a life on that motorbike. So I approach it in the same way. In some ways, I'm spoiled because I have Tom, who's very competent and is willing to put the time and into the training. So it's not like I have an actor that just wants to do something but doesn't really have the skill or ability and we can get him as or him or her as close as we can get. Um, this is with Tom, who who understands the amount of training um, to make him so competent that there's no one else that would be safer doing the stunt. Um, and obviously no one else that can perform the character like he can. So it's a win-win situation. The, the only thing I have to do is, is once we've come up with the stunt, which we collaborate on, you know, Tom McHugh and myself, and, uh, you know, very early on, we, we come up with a bunch of ideas. We write them. We, we you know, forward them. We beat sheet them and we find out what works for the characters and the story and what doesn't and once we find a, a sort of sequence that really works that we we're all sort of pushing each other on um and i'm throwing a whole bunch of ideas in the, in, in the pot then we i work on a training schedule of how i can you know forecast a training schedule of if i can get tom ready within this period of weeks obviously while we're prepping and, and shoot time of the movie in order to do this safely and execute in a way that we can capture it subjectively in a, in a sort of the way we shoot missions, which are, you know, super subjective because we have our star doing everything. So we can follow him through the entire journey without cutting to a stunt double or, an, you know, a cheated shot where we, we know we're cutting to someone else. So that's the, the big thing is once that training schedule is in place, um, we push ahead and Tom's on board. He's always 100%. He gets himself, make sure he's in shape. 
he puts that time and the hours in and 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 we plug away and then once we're ready we we film it well i keep hearing you say the word character really emphasizing the idea of character and i'm curious what makes an ethan hunt stunt what makes an ethan hunt stunt different than a superhero stunt well you know it's it's real like the way i i approach the action and mission is is if i was doing it so ethan's character he he acts first and thinks last. He, you know, it's all about saving lives and protecting his his team. And if I was in that situation where I had to protect my team or protect my family or whatever it was in real life, and yeah, you would do certain things, you know, and and you'd react in a certain way that is, you know, Tom's a sort of guy, person that if if someone was in trouble on this, on this other road or drowning in a river, he in normal life he would be the he would jump in first and then think about how to how to save himself after. And, and there's certain people are geared that way in life. And I think Tom's just one of those human beings in life that's geared that way. He wouldn't stand by and watch someone, you know, suffer or get hurt. So uh, I think that's easy to then bring across into the character because I, I look at things, you know, like the bathroom fight and, and fallout, you know, it's like I'm, if ever I'm going to the toilet in a public toilet or a, at a hotel bathroom, it's I'm always looking at things that I could use as a weapon or, things to escape if I had to get if I was locked in there and there was a, an attack or it's just the way I always have been with my creative process and so I just bring that bring that into into the mission world and having Tom doing everything the camera can follow him so subjectively on his journey that the audience are totally immersed in that moment with the character because there's no break they take a breath when the character takes a breath and they feel every little detail of what he's exploring in the space. And, and I think that's what really keeps us captivated and, and keeps us on this emotional roller coaster, um, you know, with the character through the story. Yeah, one of the moments that really uh, made my jaw drop when I watched the film was, you know, we know that he does this big motorcycle jump. We know that he's done, what, I think over 10,000 practice jumps to do it. But what still astonished me in the moment watching the film was that I forgot that Tom Cruise would have to look to the camera, deliver a line as Ethan, then do the stunt, that he's acting while he's doing it. And that kind of synergy of acting and and almost like the human accident of everything that's happening. One of the train one of the one of the yeah. moments that really stood out is like he's fighting and then suddenly the floor is slippery. And that's just one of those things you can't control. Yeah, and you know, Tom's very good at you know, at playing at playing that. And that's that's why the training is so key. So, you know, I will put the team together to train Tom to a very high level, a very professional high level, a world-class level in some disciplines. Um, and then once he's 100% relaxed and competent at that level, he then starts training himself to play Ethan and play the character at that level. Uh, and, and that's the really hard part. And that's what I try to get across to to people to understand that if I'm doing something as a stuntman, as as Wade Eastwood, who no one knows, you know, I, I just do my thing. I do, do a, a base jump or a speed flight or a, whatever I'm doing, a motorbike jump. And it's just me. And all I'm focused on is my eyeline, where I've got to look, my drills, my emergency procedures, my this, my that. I'm not doing that playing somebody else and doing the right facial expressions and shouting Benji or whatever I'm shouting. And, and also finding the light, you know, Tom in the helicopter sequence, when he was, you know, doing these mountain spirals and fallout, he was, he was finding the light so that the light would hit him. The backlight would come 
past him at exactly the moment he would <laughs> give the expression of distress or the line whilst doing a spiral descent in a helicopter, which means you're listening to your, you know, your, your, your talk, you don't overspeed the blades. There's a lot going on. Whereas someone like me flying that helicopter would be focused purely on the pitch of the blade, my instruments. I wouldn't have to play another character and find the light. And I, I can't emphasize it enough how how hard that is to do. You have to be so competent at what you're doing in order to have enough relax in your brain to play something else. So it's a skill. Uh, Wade, Rebecca Ferguson, I understand, uh, has, as many of us do, acrophobia. And she's asked to take uh, an incredible jump in this film. How did you help her accomplish that? Well, Rebecca is a trooper. Um, there's, you know, she is she's massively committed to everything, everything she does. Um, on mission five on rogue nation, we brought her in. She did a fight rehearsal with us, which was only about, you know, 12 moves. And by the end of it, we had a a 60 move fight choreograph with her within two hours. I mean, she's, she just grasps choreography and is very passionate about doing the action herself. Uh, and, and is amazing. Rebecca's incredible to work with. So she did have a fear, um, and we had a sequence in there um, in Mission where we uh, jumped off the um, the Opera House in Vienna, and <laughs> taking Rebecca up fifteen foot on a cable, she was absolutely you know like sweating. She was not happy, not comfortable at high any height. So we do it in in, in stages. What you know the way I do it with with everyone. I want people oh, to be comfortable. Hold that and happy. thought. I want to come back and hear the rest of the story. Joining us, Wade Eastwood, second unit director, stunt coordinator for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Back in a minute. It's Film Week on LA is 89.3. Larry Mantle, along with our Film Week critic Amy Nicholson, we're in conversation with Wade Eastwood, second unit director, stunt coordinator for the brand new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, Wade, you were describing how one of the stars of the film, Rebecca Ferguson, with the fear of heights, took her up to the top of the Vienna Opera House um, to for even, I think you said, 15 feet. And then um, you were going to be doing something far more than that for uh, the big scene in, in the film. So how did you transition from there? Yeah, so, you know, overcoming <clears throat> someone's fears. You know, you have, to, you have to respect their fears and understand them. They can't, just because they've been given this role, suddenly snap out of it. You know, a lot of movies, they will use a stunt double for that. They'll have the actor land the last 10 feet and they'll use a, a stunt double for, for, for the rest and do it in a wide shot. Whereas the way mission shoots, we want to be subjective. We want to be with that character. We want to feel the emotion of the step. We want to feel the, the connection between the two of them. And that scene, it was Tom and, and Rebecca. So it's my job then to try and, and, and push them as much as I can and push their comfort zone. And more importantly, their understanding and respect of, in this case, the height so that they trust the team they trust the equipment the wires whatever rigging we're using and they trust the whole process and and once they do they can relax and deliver whatever needs to be delivered as their character so in this case what i normally do with with heights and what i did with rebecca was i would just interrupt a little bit and you know 15 foot we started at and she would you know drop her a little bit faster and she would you know have a little scream and 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 catch her breath and then go up to 20 foot and 25 foot 
and then you know lie a little bit that we're actually at 40 feet but it's telling we're at 30 when we're actually at 40 <laughs> and then afterwards tell her we were actually at 40 and gain her trust back and we have a few little games and then get to a height that she's comfortable at and stay there for a while um, and with Rebecca I would normally make her try and shout at me say a full line a sentence that I'd give her before she touches the mat on the ground or or sing a song or something to take her mind off it and it was a process that really worked with her and then in no time we were at 70 foot and uh, she was comfortable and she was doing it all day long and and actually, Rebecca couldn't get enough of it. She was. She wanted to do more and more. That's funny. I mean, in that moment, right before something like that jump, is there anything you don't say? Do you? Is it just bad luck to say break a leg? Do you say good luck? Does that sound yeah, ominous? Yeah, probably bad luck. Yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't say that at that moment. I'd probably say hold on, or uh, or something. No, it's just um, you make them fully relaxed, and then I tend to do my brief, um, tell them it's good. They know my process. It's very quiet. I don't, you know, have a lot of sort of loud voices on set. It's very quiet. I give them the thumbs up, give them a look, and I walk away so they can get immersed in their character and their performance and forget about the stunt. The stunt is incidental. The stunt is just something that's happening to make the journey from A to B in this case. What's more important is the reason they're taking the journey and why their characters are doing this. So I want them to have that space to, to, to get the audience immersed and not just be looking at the spectacle of the stunt. Wade, um, there's a, a move towards seeing if, if the Motion Picture Academy will include an Oscar category for stunt coordination. What progress are you and, and your fellow stunt coordinators making in that effort? Um, regarding the Oscars, honestly, I have no idea. I'm not involved in any push on that side. I mean, and I've, I've said this before, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I think it's crazy that we are not included when you know these big action movies which are all stunts are but um you know there's a there's a god there's a category for everything uh music hair makeup special effects visual effects it's it's everything except stunts i think uh, i mean pretty much making a cup of tea or coffee gets an award except stunts but saying all that i i really am not a big awards person myself so I, i'm not i'm probably the wrong person to speak to i'm not on any board or i'm not promoting it with anything I'm, i just i really truthfully don't really care um what i care about is putting bums in seats and making the audience leave that cinema like talking about that movie gonna go and watch it again and having the best experience and value for money that they had going to the cinema that experience um and just loving the film and to me if i get a review or report that's like oh my god that action sequence was off the chart i i went and watched it five times that's more important to me than a hundred awards I mean, you and Cruz seem like you're very much in sync about giving audiences everything they want when they buy a ticket. You know, one of the stories before you came on board to this with when he was doing the second Mission Impossible is that Cruz insisted on dangling from a cliff very high, not telling the studio and John Woo himself being like, I really wish, Tom Cruise, you wouldn't put yourself in this much peril. I'm curious, the dynamic between you two, do you think there's anything Cruz would do that you wouldn't? <laughs> no, I don't. I think we very... <laughs> I think we're very um I think I think we're very alike in some ways and that is just giving 100% to the cause you know to the job we both love our jobs our business and I love creating action I feel very lucky um I've got a great team around me and we travel the world and and make movies and you know with Tom you've got a, a guy in your corner who's who just wants to do action and wants to learn the proper way and wants to train and wants to be the best and and just really wants to entertain audiences and you know and, and that's what it's all about 
I just really want to be proud that when I one day finish and I'm an old, you know, washed up surfer somewhere, like sitting out of back line, I want to, I want to be proud of, of, of what I've achieved and what I've done and, and, and look back on my film history and think, Oh, we did some amazing stuff. We traveled the world and we, and we, we entertain audiences and, you know, on the cinema side, Tom's been a real promoter, especially through the pandemic. And I, th I think it's incredible because, you know, growing I grew up in South Africa in a, a small surf town and it was a big thing to go and get your popcorn and your Coke and, you know, or go and get some, your bubble gum and go watch a movie. And it, it was huge and it still is. And I just hope it, it doesn't die because it's, uh, it's important and it's important to watch it with an audience and to see their reactions, hear their laughter, um, you know, watch their tears and actually see how different people react. So many people who uh, do stunt work come from families that have done it. Uh, was that your case, circumstance at all? What what brought you to this work? No, I didn't come from a family of stunts at all. I came, just grew up in South Africa as a young kid with a lot of useless qualifications. <laughs> I just, uh, I wanted to get out there and just do stuff. I was always a bit of an extreme athlete and, um, and I just wanted to be able to do everything. So, you know, I wanted my driver's license for a motor bike, a car, a truck, a bus, an armored car, a construction vehicle. I wanted to be able to do everything, sail a boat, fly a plane, fly a helicopter. And it was sort of like a, like a bug. I just wanted to keep, keep doing everything. And if I couldn't do everything, I felt like I wasn't living. And then, you know, stunts sort of came to me when I was 19 years old. It was the perfect, I was a fan of movies and growing up in South Africa, I, I got all the A-team and the fall guy and all those, you know, American shows, which I just loved, uh, Airwolf. And I used to just dream of, of just being in the movie somehow. And, and, and then the rest is history, you know, I sort of fell into it when I was 19 years old and just felt so fortunate and just pushed my way to do bigger and better films and work with bigger and better productions and actors that wanted to do the same. And yeah. I think once I hooked up with Tom, it was quite a natural, you know, we, we just sort of synced quite well and we both had the same sort of goals. Wade Eastwood, thank you so much for being with us on Film Week and talking about your experiences on this latest film, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. He's been in the industry for nearly 30 years. His stunt work's been credited on some huge films like Interstellar, Inception, and Troy. worked on now multiple Mission Impossible films, including the one to come out next year, not just the one that's out this weekend. Uh, if you missed hearing what our critics had to say about it, you can uh, pick up the podcast wherever you get your audio. And my thanks to Amy Nicholson for joining me uh, to interview Wade Eastwood as well. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful weekend from all of us at Film Week.